Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is David McGuire. And I am Eric Brickmont. And I am Brian Moriarty. We're sorry to interrupt your podcast this evening, but we come to you with a very important message. Are you tired of hearing the squeaking of our chairs? Are you tired of hearing a distant echo in the background? Are you tired of hearing my lips smack the moment before I talk? I know I am. But you know how we can fix that? We need help from you. You see, Rome was not built in a day. It was built over many months. And also with lots of money. And lots of marble. We don't actually need the marble. No, we don't need it. It'd be nice, but... Okay, let's just stick to things that we actually need. Okay, sorry. Okay, thank you. Anyways, if you feel like you want to help us with our squeaking chairs or massive echo and Brian's incessant lip smacking, please go to www.nerdonomy.com. Click on Donate, where your money will go to helping our nerd cave thrive and helping Brian get over his speech impediment. And to go to our need for lots and lots of Hot Pockets. We must have the Hot Pockets. You're listening to Nerds on Film with Brian Moriarty, David McGuire, and Sarah Ashley. Uh, hello. Hello. Let's. So hot in the cave. I know. It is so hot in the cave. But it's a good thing that we made the rule that there is no sex in the champagne room. Kevin, None. put your pants back on. All right. Although I'm breaking the one rule right now with my shoes still on, so I got to take my shoes off. Oh, I'm wearing There's my brand new shoes in the cave in the, as well. There are uh, several rules for the cave, including uh, this is a no farting zone. First of all, I've never farted uh, in the cave, nor have I farted saying, in the first cave, I'm so I don't understand saying, why that I'm is just even establishing a, that now. Who has been doing that, that you have to establish that as a rule? No, nobody's doing it yet. I it have a thing me. called... <laughs> <laughs> I thought you me. <laughs> it's called forethought, guys. Oh, yeah. Or oh. fart thought. <laughs> Sorry, that was, it, it sounded funnier in my head. No, 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 fart thought was funny. It's fart good. Thought. You're fine. All right, fart thought. All right, so, fart thought. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to have a question to uh, pose to the group, if you guys are ready. Okay. Dun, 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 dun. Who would win in a fight, James Bond or Jason Bourne? Ta-da. Question. Question yes. for you. Let's do it. Can they use weapons? Yes, they can. Okay. Oh, really? Oh. And, and to elaborate on the weapons... Weapons as in sharp objects around them or actual weapons that fire things. So guns and knives are okay. Guns, knives, broken glass, broken pieces of uh, uh, wood. But things that fire things. In Jason Bourne's case, uh, towels, uh, let's see what else, Uh, magazines, newspapers, a toaster. I like how Jason Bourne is literally the MacGyver of super secret spies. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. He's like, wait a minute, I have a cookie jar and a water bottle. I'm going to fuck some people up with that shit. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah, right? (laughs) I, uh, I think he would be the most versatile and also... He has, he has like unbelievable strength and, and if you, speed and speed. And if you guys see the Born Legacy, which kind of sets up the whole Treadstone and what these agents are capable of, through almost what was it, two hours and ten minutes of exposition. That's all the Born Legacy was, by the way. Just it, the entire movie was I exposition. Didn't even see that one? It was a disappointment, but it was entertaining. Mm. Um, but yes, so while Bond has, depending on which Bond you think of. The gadgets, the Ooh. swagger. Yeah, we should probably establish which bond. Okay. I right, would so imagine we have let's to go establish with the... which bond? What? 
Technically, it's like they're all the same Bond, though. No. Technically, uh, no, 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 no. Not. all of them except Daniel Craig because all of them had gadgets, you know, galore. They had the same guns. Daniel Craig was was far grittier. And okay, he was yes. more because he was more willing to do hand right, to hand. So I would say no if, matter which Bond, if there were no weapons involved, hands down, Jason. Bourne. Oh, no question. But all right, so here's where the discussion is going to get a little more interesting. You ready for this? The stunt coordinator for the Bond trilogy was actually working with Quantum of Solace and, um, more recently, Skyfall. So, you guys oh, so have the, the Born, guy... You mean Born Trilogy? No, no, I'm talking about... Yeah, so the stunt you coordinator the for Bond the Born Trilogy. Tri- I did, I yes. apologize then. It's okay. So, the stunt coordinator for the Born Trilogy okay. and Born Legacy uh, worked with uh, Quantum of Solace and Skyfall. So, that means that the fighting styles of Born are kind s- of slowly adapt... Or kind of adapted into Quantum of Solace and Skyfall. Hmm. So, this is where... It, I think choosing which bond okay. we can go through them in order, but choosing which bond. Oh, I well, would go I'm sorry the- if it, if it's going to be Sean Connery's Bond versus Jason Bourne, Bourne's going to win. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I Roger- mean, if it was a martini drinking contest, clearly Bond would win. But n- n- no. All right. So if you want my opinion, I think in every case except Daniel Craig, I think Bourne would win. I would agree. Especially def- Lazenby. Well, yes. Jason Jason Bourne would definitely kick Pierce Brosnan's ass. So. Oh, in a heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> Just no hesitation. Judo chop. Oh, look, he's dead. <laughs> yes, pretty much. <laughs> Brosnan would try to make some quip, and he just backs, bam! So I live to die another... Ah! <laughs> Actually, you know what? Who, uh, from the old Bonds, not Craig, who might be able to pull it off? Timothy Dalton. I would... Uh, you know what? I'm Ooh, glad you said that, because yeah. I, th- I would agree with that, because those movies were dark. Yeah. 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 He, he, could, he could certainly hold his own. Would yeah. he win... Probably not. He because, would last the longest out of the old Bonds. I, mean, I would agree. I not to say that he's going to like pull a sneak attack with a knife from his shoe. So Very true. Right. Very true. I mean, but the, you also have to consider that Bourne literally jumped from a building top it, into an open window. Yes, in order to jump a dude. <laughs> like, straight up, just... Right into a window. Judo chop, 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 chop. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, what was that? Judo! Chop, 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 Cool, okay. I think, uh, honestly, even if it was Daniel Craig, Craig if is it's, if it's, Craig is muscle. He is, but the thing is, he's brawn and muscle. So, like, he can take a hit. Yeah. So, I think... He had stuff hit his balls. I know, right? <laughs> Everyone's going to know that you hit my balls. Or whatever that phrase was in right. casino. Um, but I think, it, for me, because I'm such a fan of the Bond series, uh, more specifically the Daniel Craig ones, mm-hmm. I think that Daniel Craig's Bond would be very, very, very close to one-upping Bourne, but I think Bourne would just come out in the last second, just, you know, chop, and there goes his head or something. I would agree. Yeah. I think that's that's probably the most accurate statement, is that Craig would get very close. Extremely close. They would be like the old-timey, when people would swords fight, and they'd each be like, break, break, okay, yeah. here we just... <laughs> Let me get some water. <laughs> Oh, you ready to go again? Okay, let's go. All right, well, let's because do this. it would be a matter of respect. Yes, right, absolutely. And Bond is respectful. Mm-hmm. Very, very Sometimes. much so. <clears throat> I mean, he drinks Heineken. <laughs> <laughs> Heineken, um, if you're listening. <laughs> product placement. <laughs> product placement. Um, but yeah, it's it's to be honest. Like I posed this question myself when watching Bond or Born movies, and I could never answer it myself. But Thank you guys for being here and helping me decide that, yes, Bourne is the baddest mother of now, them all. question. Yes. 
and I, I may be the only person. I don't know if you guys know this of this one, but who would win in a fight? Austin Powers or Matt Helm? Do you guys know who? who? Matt Helm. So, there was a series of movies done in the 60s mm-hmm. with Dean Martin. as a, It was a spy satire. He was a satire of James Bond. Okay, go but on. It, but basically, it was significantly less fighting and doing spy stuff and more banging chicks and drinking. <laughs> it was pretty It was pretty hilarious. Well, he, had, he like drove around like a station wagon that like the back converted into a bed. <laughs> I think in that fight, Austin Powers would keep saying, Why won't you die? <laughs> That's so very true. Why won't you die? I honestly think they'd probably be too, well, Matt Hell might be too drunk to fight. I well, feel like uh, they would I, just I, continue to make jokes yeah. and, and or try to shag each other. Well, yeah. if we're going with Austin Powers from, what, the 1960s, I think his crooked teeth would shatter uh, <laughs> Matt Helm's soul or there something. <laughs> it was eyes. My eyes! <laughs> And then Austin Powers would take a really long pee afterwards. Evacuation, come, come, come. Oh, Evacuation, so good. come, come, come. <laughs> Evacuation, Eva- Evacuation completed. You know, you know, movies jump the shark when they do a callback to that joke in their third film. Yeah, and they make him. Oh yeah, Which there's one? a scene where he's supposed to sneak into like this facility where his father's being held yeah. and there's a fountain of a little boy like a little boy peeing fountain yeah. and he trips it so the water no longer is coming and so oh he, that's right so he's like yeah. heavy on, and then he's like eating asparagus and it was just like oh good god you know but, I just that that first one was so good I like the series I don't like the rest of them I just it was pretty much just that first one the second one was was considerably better than the third Considerably, yes. the third one was just. Uh, but for God's mm-hmm. sakes, Michael Caine as Austin Powers' father. But he could, uh, it, then I would have loved to see that in the first one. Yeah. I just did. Although I will That's say, true. I did like how they got all the the big name celebrities to play those parts in like the big blockbuster version of the of the. I know, that right? Was, yeah, that was pretty funny. That was a yeah. good bit. Have Steven Spielberg direct, you know, Austin Powers and Tom Cruise and everything. And supposedly, now this hasn't been really confirmed, but uh, I hear people talking about this all the time. The helicopter pilot in the beginning of Goldmember is actually George Lucas. Like, what? straight up George Lucas. Now, you can look this up. I haven't found anything that does overtly confirm or, uh, you know, deny type of thing. But if you look real closely in one of the shots where, like, it's about to explode and Tom Cruise as Austin Powers is shooting, you know, guns into it, you can kind of see the George Lucas trademark uh, beard and stuff like that. So Maybe it was a, just a nod to him. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. But I remember hearing that uh, first time I saw it, and I was, like, looking for it, so. But despite all of that. Despite all that. The third one is okay, but I personally that, am a fan of the series. That first one, nothing beats, I'm hip, I'm with it. so fucking funny. His voice was the best to imitate. Yeah, I'm Dr. Hip. Evil. I'm with it. I'm hip. Dark, dark, dark. Uh, They're always after me, lucky I, charms. All I asked for was some freaking sharks with freaking lasers on them. <laughs> oh, good God. They're always after me, lucky charms. What? Why is everyone not always laughing when I'm saying that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, oh, with that, uh, welcome to Nerds on Film, everybody. I am Dave McGuire. I'm Sarah Ashley. And I am Kevin. Sue, Sue, 
Sutorius. There you go. <laughs> um, the voice that you're not hearing is Brian's. Um, Brian is actually taking a little bit of time off from the podcast. Mm-hmm. And if we're being fully honest. He's taking a two-week-long sex cruise. Lucky dog. Yeah. Well, yeah. in the words of Alan Arkin, I'm sure he's going to have second-degree burns on his Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> That's from Little Miss Sunshine. Thank yes, you very much. Yes, yes, yes. No, in all actuality, um, Brian is not currently on a sex cruise. Currently, but he is <laughs> currently. <laughs> I had to throw that extra currently. <laughs> no, he's uh, he's actually working on his uh, his studies. He's finishing up college. So, and we're very very proud of him. And he's being extra studious and shit. So, go gonna, Brian, go because that's what it's all about when you're a student. You got to be studious and shit. Studious and shit. Yeah, and shit. <laughs> Good luck, Brian. Uh, if you need any questions. Please feel free to contact Brian Williams at 1000 North uh, NBC Lane, New York, New York. Really? Really, John Stewart? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That was the whole joke that I was making. Yes. John Stewart is always doing, he, he always like will say if anybody has questions, you can send them to Brian Williams. Courtesy mm-hmm. of NBC yeah. at, what is, oh, like, at 30 Rockefeller 30 Park. Rockefeller. Duh. Yeah. But hmm. it's they just have like a nice little... Oh. Yeah, I see. And it's Don't been ongoing that. since Does he Brian started. Brian Williams play back, or? Well, no, but Brian Williams has been on the show plenty of times, and Brian Williams is fucking hilarious. He is. He he, he deadpans is so like funny. nobody's business. He well, he deadpans so when he funny. does the news too. Yeah. So, see, that's why I think he's so good. Yeah, <laughs> he's probably secretly a comedian. Uh, I bet you goes to underground shows, open yeah. mics. Hello, I'm Brian. Kevin Williams. <laughs> I'm that guy who made that series you hate. <laughs> oh, oh, man. All man. right. Well, how do we... Uh, I don't know how do we segue. How do we do this? Okay, are you ready? Are you guys ready for it? Right, yeah. Well, it's our segue. Well, there it is. Uh, even though there right, wasn't really on. a segue. I don't care. Hold on. I just hold, made on. It. hold on. I'm going to make... I'm going to do the six degrees... Into the segue. Are you ready? So that joke that I just made earlier was a quote from Little Miss Sunshine, who was written by Michael Arndt, who's currently writing the script for Star Wars Episode Seven. but he wrote the script for Toy Story 3, and Toy Story 3 was distributed and animated by Pixar. Segway! That was impressive as shit. Thank you. We're going to have to cut all the rest of that other shit out. Nerd status achieved. Over (laughs) (laughs) 9,000. Who else was a writer on Toy Story? Um, that would be, let's see, um, that would be Andrew Stanton and, um, oh my god, I have the picture of his face in my head. Um, are we who, talking who the original? Directed it? Lee Unkrich. The original. Oh, are you talking original? Oh, yeah. okay, then Joss Whedon. There you yeah. go. Out of nowhere. Like, that's what? one of the, yep, yeah, Joss, Joss Whedon. One, he is credited as writing He's, the screenplay for Toy Story 1. Yep. One of the coolest, like, movie trivias about Pixar. It is so cool. And Joel Cohen also wrote it, too. Yeah, yeah, he was also credited as well. What? I know, right? Fucking Joss Whedon did Joss did Toy Whedon. Story. Joss Whedon, man, that's amazeballs. I know, right? So let's let's kind of talk about how. Uh, for those of you that can hear Sarah getting back into her chair, and she is oh. just put a um, Mickey hat on top of her head. Toy that story. is a Toy Story, specifically a Woody Sheriff Woody Sheriff Woody Mickey hat, which is very it's, weird. It's awesome. You're my favorite deputy. <laughs> I'm Woody. Howdy, 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 howdy. <laughs> There's a snake in my boot. There's a 
is a snake so in my boot. We, uh, obviously, we want to talk about Pixar, but what is it that we want to talk about when it, in terms of Pixar? Um, I like, uh, because I, I thought this would be a great topic, um, as last time, um, Brian... Last time on Nerds on Film, Brian came up with the phrase, Pixar, for Kevin Satorius as being one of the biggest fans of Pixar, and that got him thinking on a philosophical journey about doing an episode of Pixar history. <laughs> so in other words, we're doing an episode on the history of Pixar. Congratulations. <laughs> we're like the Nerds on History crew, except we're going to talk about film today, folks. Film history. Oh, boy! But only in the context of Pixar. Yeah. We're not going to do the entire history of film. You want to see that? Go back to Nerds on History. They yeah, did an episode on that. Yeah. <laughs> and we will have many more to come, I would imagine. Probably. Shameless plugs of a sister podcast. Yeah. yeah. So, Kevin, can you tell us, how did Pixar get their start? Well, uh, Pixar actually did not get their start as Pixar, though, surprisingly. Bum, bum, bum. Dum, dum, dum. Sure enough, uh, Pixar ironically got its start very close to when Apple computers got its start in 1979. Um, Apple uh, getting their start in, what, 76 or so? Anyway, um, they were a group created called the Graphics Group. Uh, They were actually part of a computer division of... Can I say it? Can I say it? Sarah, say it. Lucasfilm. Yeah, that's right. Ladies and gentlemen, Pixar is related to Lucasfilm. This is its primary connection so like the moment i heard that i i completely geeked out i kind of just like i kind of danced around the house for like five minutes because that just made me so happy kevin don't lie it was more like 30 minutes all right if we're being honest it was 45 okay (laughs) that was his workout for the day yes and do you know what was playing on in a loop in the background you got a friend in me okay (laughs) i was dancing randy newman for 45 minutes See, now that's a good, that's a good impression. Moves. That is a pretty good one. I'm gonna dance to a song that has no dancing moves to it. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Randy Newman has just walked into the studio. Holy um, crap. I'm so excited to be here. I'm gonna throw a little Bob Dylan your way. <laughs> So this is Randy Newman doing Bob Dylan? Oh my god. Oh, make him do uh, Knocking on Heaven's Door. Knock, knock, knocking on Heaven's Door. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Oh Oh my god, we need air conditioning in here so So bad. bad. (laughs) So anyway... When Pixar started in 1979 as the graphics group, they were a computer division of Lucasfilm um, before it was spun out to, hold the phone, Apple Computers. That's right. Apple and Lucasfilm were both directly involved with Pixar. Um, So what you're saying is that Apple and Lucasfilm were on a date. They had a wonderful time together. Then they had a secondary date in which Apple went to second base with with Lucasfilm. (sighs) And after about nine months... Out came Pixar. Uh, as much as an uh, awesome analogy I want it to be, unfortunately, no. Damn it! There's a, there's a slightly sad story as to why uh, the graphics group uh, was transferred from Lucasfilm to Apple, but I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Pixar was actually founded, you know, as the graphics group, but it was a third of the computer division that Lucasfilm had created after the rampant success of Star Wars A New Hope. Um, and the first person that was hired was 
uh, Ed Catmull from the New York Institute of Technology. Ed, who is now a doctor, um, was basically the brains behind how the technology of the graphics group could help the Lucasfilm division prepare for its future movies using computer graphics or um, what soon came to be editing software. So, as a company, the graphics group was more or less started as consultants uh, and then eventually turned into a software-based uh, company. And then it actually evolved into something else. But again, I'm jumping ahead of myself a little. After moving to Lucasfilm, uh, the team uh, worked on creating the precursor to the program that they use called RenderMan, uh, which is how they design, draw, animate, and therefore, as, a, as the last step, render all of their uh, computer animated movies. Uh, the nice thing is, uh, before it was called RenderMan, uh, it was called Reyes, R-E-Y-E-S, which stands for Renders Everything You Ever Saw. Oh, that's cute. Cute name, yeah, exactly. By creating Reyes, they actually developed a number of critical technologies for what the C uh, for what computer generated images CGI would bring to the movie industry, including particle particle effects and various animation tools. So again, Pixar is you know paving the way for what will eventually be the industry standard to mm -hmm. this day. So that's its connection and its start. It started as the graphics group, and it was a computer division of Lucasfilm. So now we get to Apple. In 1982, the graphics group actually worked on a team. Get ready for this sound guy. You're probably going to nerd out pretty hard. The team worked uh, with uh, on various film sequences with Industrial Light and Magic, another division of Lucasfilm, yes. specifically made for special effects. Okay. That's it. And so um, after years of research... And uh, key milestones that Pixar was involved with was the Genesis effect in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, including um, the CGI hand model that you can see on screen in one of the Star Trek movies. I also believe that was in The Wrath of Khan. Um, and they also... Sound no, guy disagrees. Star, sound tra Star Trek 1? 3? 4? 6? It wasn't 5 because 5 was, what, mid to late 80s or early 90s. I'm thinking of something else. I'll show you later then, Sound Guy. But anyway, so yes, they were involved with The Wrath of Khan. There's about to be a nerd throwdown in the cave right? right now. Uh, well, exactly. Um, and I like that our Sound Guy is Marcel Marceau. <laughs> <laughs> and also, they were very integral uh, in working with Industrial Light and Magic to create the first CGI object, which was a stained glass knight from the movie Young Sherlock Holmes. The stained glass knight is actually commonly referred to as the first animated CGI object in movie history. Wow. So Pixar had a hand in that with Industrial Light and Magic, so the two of them worked together. And the funny thing is, most people don't know that Pixar had a hand in that because they were the graphics group. The graphics group actually consisted of only about 40 individuals, uh, so it was very tight-knit, very close group. Mm -hmm. Then... Right around uh, 1985, 1986, unfortunately, George Lucas had gone through a very bitter divorce. And as part of that bitter divorce, he had to get a lot of money uh, for his ex-wife. And he sold the graphics group to Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs bought it because he had rampant success at Apple computers, including the Macintosh. And he had a lot of cash on hand. And so Steve Jobs just bought it because he saw the potential of what this group could do. Um, now, during this time, uh, John Lasseter, who is technically, he at this point was an animator and one of the 
creative-based consultants, he had worked on a short film that you can find on Pixar's volume one of short films and had presented it. I think, oh shoot, of course, the name of it, I'm forgetting, is uh, Wally B, The Adventures of Wally B. Um, it was the first animated short that they had made, and he had presented it at a technical conference around this time, and the room exploded because nobody had seen any art done with computers at that point. Like, sure, you had the user interface for computers, Macs, and PCs, right. but you never had any art come out of uh, a computer. And so this was like the first showcase. And the room exploded. Imagine all these nerds just, oh my God, oh, <laughs> So imagine like, you know, thousands. Thousands of Jerry Lewis. <laughs> Stuff like that, yeah. Hoboygan! <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> so, um, because of the uh, amazing reception um, that Steve Jobs saw the potential for what the graphics group could do. So, Jobs paid about $5 million to George Lucas for the technology rights and put them and $5 million in cash as capital into the company. A factor in contributing to Lucas's sale was the increase in cash flow difficulties following the divorce, which coincided uh, with the sudden drop-off in revenues from Star Wars licenses after uh, Return of the Jedi had come out. So, there is your connection between Lucasfilm and Apple. Okay. 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 So, at that point, they were basically technical consultants, and they helped create CGI-based uh, special effects, and worked with Industrial Light and Magic, so more or less software. After Steve Jobs had bought the graphics group and then had coined it into Pixar uh, with the team, uh, they actually started developing computers. High-end uh, computers uh, whose core product was the Pixar Image Computer, uh, a system sold primarily to the government agencies and the medical community because they were high-performance, they were very nice-looking computers, they were very expensive computers. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, somebody had a Pixar image computer on eBay, and if I'm not mistaken, I think the maximum bid was something like $300,000, and it was still working. If you look it up online, it's a very simple uh, computer design, and obviously Steve Jobs had a hand, I would imagine, had a hand in helping design that. But Probably. Yeah, it was, it was a very powerful computer. Unfortunately, it did not sell well. So Pixar eventually had to abandon being a hardware and software company and focus more on the software. Was it too expensive? Or? It was, yeah, it was too expensive to make. It was too expensive of a computer for other people to buy. And unfortunately, it wasn't as versatile as people wanted. Okay. Unfortunately. Sure. But guess what? Well, now here's another little tie-in uh, to help bridge the story of Pixar. Guess who one of the customers was that bought one of these Pixar imaging computers? Pray tell. The Walt Disney Company. Aha. Aha, yes. Walt Disney Studios had bought uh, several or one of their uh, machines. I forget exactly how much, but they were using them as part of their secret CAPS project, using the machine and custom software written by Pixar to migrate various and very laborless uh, ink and paint uh, from the 2D animation process to make it much more automated and much more efficient, saving time, things like that. If I'm not mistaken, get ready for this, you guys. Pixar's first credit with Disney, you probably won't be able to guess, but I'm going to let you try. Pixar's uh, first credit with Disney. Correct. What with year? a Disney movie. What year are we talking? Ooh. All right. So let's Oh, is that going to give it away? 
Early 90s. Early 90s? I'm going to say Beauty and the Beast. That's what I was going to say, too. No. Oh. Oh, because that that's one? later. That's later. Okay. That's later. Okay. Okay. Yes, okay. they are involved, but that was later. Oh, okay. Because of that, because of the, 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 the ballroom the scene. scene. Yeah. yeah. But early, early, it's either late 80s or early 90s. Little Mermaid? Nope. No, Little Mermaid was pretty. Now here's 2D. all right. So I'll give you another hint. It is a lesser known Little, Little Mermaid, lesser known movies. Disney movie. It lesser as in not as uh, it's not one common movie that Disney fans talk about or people talk about when it comes to Disney movies, animated movies. Uh, I'll give you another hint. It takes place in Australia. Rescuers. <gasps> Rescuers down under. Bingo! Ding 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 ding. We have a winner. <gasps> oh right, there's a whole scene where he jumps off the cliff. No, nope. no, not that scene. What oh. scene is it? It is one. Of, it is the opening t- uh, title uh, credits where they're going over the field of flowers oh. to his home. I fucking love Rescuers down under. I know. It's, I even love its predecessor. Yeah, well, the pre- Rescuers. Is it a prequel or did it come first? The come Rescuers the down rescuers, under came out after. Yeah, Rescuers came out first. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Where they were in I saw it in, I saw yes. it in reverse order. Yeah. Because Rescuers Down Under I used to watch all, all the time. time. Yeah, I, I very rarely watched The Rescuers. Yeah, I hated that one. It, was... it, it wasn't as good in my opinion. But, uh, so yes, that is technically Pixar's first credit in working with the Disney movie. Wow. Now, of course, Pixar had uh, several shorts of their own that they worked on, like uh, Luxo Jr. is a very, very popular one where they have a Luxo lamp. It's mm-hmm. like a Luxo lamp father and a Luxo lamp son, and they're playing around with a ball, and it's very, very, very cute. And but en- ended up becoming their logo. Exactly. Exactly. Um, one of their main logos that Pixar now uses is the Luxo lamp because although the Adventures of Wally B had rampant success in the tech industry, they weren't really that well known outside of that. Um, in fact, get ready for this. All right, blowing your minds again. Pixar has worked on several commercials, and they even made one short for none other than Sesame Street. Oh, really? It was Say another, what? It was another Luxo Lamp-based short that, ironically, you cannot find on their uh, short films collection on Volumes 1 or 2. Hmm. So, again, Pixar is this extremely versatile, very, very up-and-coming, uh, but very creative company that hires some very imaginative uh, technical people to get the software and hardware to work, and some very creative animators, too. So this is still a very up-and-coming company. They've made several shorts, and in order to get some revenue and some money, they worked on a couple commercials. Um, in my notes, I have actually the list of commercials that they worked on. You ready for this? Yes. Tropicana. Okay. Okay. Listerine. Okay. And Lifesavers. Huh. huh. Now, all right, so here's where it gets even more interesting. So now we're going from the 80s. We're still in that process of 80s to 90s. I told you guys that, you know, uh, Pixar worked with Industrial Light and Magic as technical consultants for several, uh, a couple films. Right. Wrath of Khan and um, Young Sherlock Holmes. But get ready for this. Most people think that the first movie with CGI, some people usually say Terminator 2 falls in that that category. It came out in 92 before Jurassic Park, which came out in 93. Technically, it's not the first movie that had CGI in it, but it is the first movie to extensively use CGI throughout the entire movie instead of in one particular moment. Because the first Terminator was all stop motion, right? By Stan Winston, may he rest in peace, the genius of animatronics and puppetry. However, Pixar, again, because Industrial Light and Magic was the technical or uh, special effects company that worked on T2. Yes, it was. I, I held the Oscar for that. You got to hold the Oscar for that? When I was in fourth grade, yeah. I've told that story before. 
that you got to go on the tour. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so awesome. Take your kid to work day. <sighs> so jealous. So, so jealous. Um, all right. So if we're going to, if we're going to tout nerd cred, um, I've been to Skywalker Ranch in Marin. I've walked around. I've seen Indiana Jones hat, his whip. I've seen all four, all props from all four movies. Yes. Four. Um, I've seen one of the original Adat Walkers uh, from Empire Strikes Back, the original maquette that they used for stop motion. I've seen Vader and Skywalker's lightsabers from Episode Four. Um, I've seen George Lucas's or half of George Lucas's uh, massive collection of European uh, movie posters. That's one thing he loves collecting. He has literally the best collection of European movie posters between the 30s and the 60s, if I'm not mistaken. And at the same time, I got to buy some merch from the shop that say Skywalker Ranch on it. And it was one of the most glorious days I've ever had. I still have a coffee mug that says Lucasfilm on it. You do? Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Well, because I, I saw a lot of the same stuff. So, I know, but you know. it's still so cool. It is really cool. Um, and I've saw, I, I've seen none of that. Yeah. All right, so then get ready for this, Dave. You actually might be a little excited. So for those that are ever going to make a sojourn to visit in San Francisco, Industrial Light and Magic's campus uh, is in Presidio District. Okay. You can get into the main lobby. You can walk by the Yoda statue, which is a sojourn for a lot of Industrial Light and Magic fans. You can get in their main lobby and see a life-size Darth Vader in Boba Fett costume, see a lot of uh, props, lightsabers, a special R2-D2 statue that's all like chrome titanium or something like that, and uh, see a statue dedicated to... It's not Ray Harryhausen. It's the, guy, it's the sound guy. Uh, who is the guy who invented the cinema camera? Do you remember? If you don't, that's okay. But anyway, there's a statue dedicated to him because George Lucas is one of his biggest fans. Anyway, so for those that are very interested uh, to know, you can visit Industrial Light and Magic's main lobby, but that's it. You won't be able to get past there. Not unless you run. <laughs> or you have a lightsaber and cut people down. <laughs> or you're a Jedi. So, Who's to say I'm not, Kevin? Back to Kevin? Pixar. Yes, back to Pixar. Who's to say I'm not? Who's to say you are not? See you're, that? Not a, you're not a Jedi. I'm sorry, yes, I'm, I'm just I waking am. up. What, ha what just happened? You're not a Jedi. <laughs> yes, I am. No, David. Really. You're not. I used to date you. you. You're not a Jedi. <laughs> I just hid it from you really well. Oh, oh, okay. So then, all right, fine. Getting back to Pixar then. So sorry. in around April of 1990, Pixar sold its complete hardware division, uh, including all the pri proprietary hardware technology and imaging software to Viacom, not Viacom, Viacom Systems, mm -hmm. transferred 18 of Pixar's uh, approximately 100 employees as well that worked in the hardware division. That same year, Pixar actually moved its campus from San Rafael to Richmond, California. Um, by the way, for those of you listening, um, a lot of this... I they're in Emeryville. Now they're in Emeryville, oh, okay. yes. You're very correct. Okay. Um, for those of you uh, still listening, <laughs> um, there is this amazing, very touching uh, documentary that I'm getting a lot of this information from called The Pixar Story. Okay. Um, it has interviews from a lot of the main people uh, that helped shape Pixar into what it is today, including Steve Jobs, George Lucas, Ed Catmull, John Lasseter. So anyway, it, it's a wonderful documentary. For me, as a pixel, as Brian has coined it, or a mega pixel, it's a truly inspiring story to have one of the most beloved companies in the world to know its story, in my opinion. So, getting back to the early 90s, Pixar continued its successful relationship uh, with Walt Disney, and it eventually, as we all know today, became one of its most valuable assets. Technically, 
Wait, that's right. Technically, it's more valuable than Marvel Studios. When yeah, when Disney bought out Pixar, they bought it for more money than Marvel Studios. Interesting. Pixar was, if I'm not mistaken, seven, and then uh, Marvel Studios was about four billion. So, Meh. but yes, again, Disney's I'm, making some really good investments. Which, by the way, dear listeners, uh, for Friday, uh, May 3rd, I'm posting a very interesting blurb about what the year 2015 is going to do to movies that are not owned by Disney. If it makes the cut. Dum, dum, dum! It'll probably make the cut. That is so rude. Because Disney in 2015 is going to have, I think, what is it, seven major blockbusters, including Pixar uh, movie Mm -hmm. that they're releasing, which that year is... Finding Dory. Cute. I... Don't okay. no no ahead, you David. cannot no no go Not, ahead David I just, oh. go ahead I dare you I just as much as I love Dory I just death by drowning I, I just <laughs> how could it just I hope it's just not the same movie just with a different character you know what I mean well, I know that's not what Pixar does I know right they made three sequels off of Toy Story and it wasn't the same story at all it was all different and each movie kept getting better and better that's very true. I Whoa. wept at the third one. Well, I wouldn't say better and better. I Whoa. would say on par and on par and on par. They're all no. amazing. All three are amazing. Ooh. No, the third one's way better than the first two. <gasps> I'm sorry. I, I have to agree. Not just because I cried like a little baby at the end of that movie. Oh, I was weeping. But I will tell you, story-wise, that has the best story arc of the three movies. It literally it does really have does. the best story arc. The fact that I was okay with them ending it in the trash compactor scene, like, I was like, you know, if they end it here, as depressing as shit as that is, yeah, it's, I'm actually okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. In a weird, twisted, dark way, yeah. I'm I'm okay with that ending. Yeah. So I think in that movie, within the last 30 minutes of that movie, I think I cried like four different times. One of which, after the aliens pick them up and go, the claw. Because one, it's so emotionally perfect. And two, they are achieving their goals as aliens. They get to interact with their god. I mean, it's so perfect. The part where I cried the most was when he played with the, the toys one last time with the little girl. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. I um, saw it with Brian. We looked at each other. Yeah. We're just like both just tears streaming down the face. When he is giving specifically Woody and Buzz uh, to the little girl... Um, I actually had a moment of transference because I did that exact same thing with my Woody and Buzz. Um, I gave it to a family friend's uh, kid who didn't have a Woody and Buzz, and I had that exact same moment. So I was just bawling my eyes out. Oh, my. You're going to make me uh, cry right now. Uh, anyway, so back Roll to the... the fuck up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Hey, we had good childhoods, Okay. Like we 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 have great challenges with our toys, and I didn't. Well, no, your I cried. In that movie. I cried in that movie too. It's just you guys were fucking not shutting up. <laughs> wow, <laughs> thanks for that. Uh, all right, so here we are. What I'm about to start is going to be the partnership of Disney and Pixar. So this is the early '90s. In about '91, um, after a tough start to the year, when about 30 employees of Pixar had to be let go, unfortunately, including the company's president at that time, Chuck Colstad. Uh, It reduced Pixar's employees down to 42, essentially its original number when it was founded. But Disney saw the potential in Pixar, and they inked a $26 million deal for Disney to help produce three, count them, three computer-animated feature films, the first of which is none other than... Toy Story! Bingo! Absolutely. So this is 91. So this is their first full-length feature. At this point, they had done consulting work and... 30-second commercials. What were the other two movies that they had already in the pipeline? 
Or am I jumping the gun? No, no, no. You're not jumping the gun because uh, in the documentary they actually do talk about this, but um, it essentially was A Bug's Life, and um, if I'm not mistaken, that would have been Monsters Incorporated because they had not planned on Toy Story 2, which I'm going to get to. At this point, uh, the longest feature had been, what is that, three minutes, 40 seconds in terms of the shorts that they have done, and so this was going to be their first test. That movie took four years to make, technically. At that point, the software programmers were using what evolved from Reyes to now RenderMan and using Disney's CAPS system, which they helped develop. And Lasseter, John Lasseter, who currently this day and age is the head of Walt Disney Theme Parks and Walt Disney Animation Studios. He went from being in charge of Pixar to living his dream, running Disney Animation and running uh, Disney Theme Parks. Side note. John Lasseter was one of the original Disney animators. Fun fact, he worked on several of Disney's animated movies between the 80s up to the uh, mid-90s. Can we write him and tell him to make California Adventure better? California Adventure is awesome. It is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it can get better, I totally agree, but it is pretty awesome. It suffers from like a lot of disjointedness, well, that's, in my opinion. Yeah, it does, because it has like all these different it's things. It's overflow from Disneyland, because Disneyland no, doesn't have a but there's no. no through line. Like, you go into Disneyland... Oh, no, you go they down, just built it. Well, yeah, They I know. just built it, yeah, like but, 1950s Yeah, uh, but that, that Hollywood. still... Does, that's their Sarah's through line. getting very angry right I now. I haven't been there yet, and I really want to go. so... Good. So this was actually, the, I went in January. It was actually my first time being there since they completely like revamped the whole damn thing. With the new LA Buena Vista Street. Buena Vista Street. And Cars Land. Cars Land. All that stuff. It was my first time seeing World of Color. World of Color, me being a total lighting dork and tech dork, I was tears streaming down my face. I never cry. Imagineers. I, I never ever cry i'm gonna get so much shit for this i did not like world of color you i haven't seen world of color yet you then you clearly don't understand how good that is how, how good the how, tech it, is yeah. no it's not i yes the technical feat of that show is amazing i will give you that as a show i did not like it because it just was it just it didn't capture me the way things like phantasmic does Fantasmic is has always been and always will be the show that I really love watching on the waterfront, right? It's just yeah. that to me is quintessential kid, right? Every time I see that show, I, I'm transported back to when I was like six or seven and I saw that show. I mean, literally the show has not changed. Wow. I don't understand why she's getting so upset right now. It's because, because it's... Because you're it's, wrong. Yeah. It, no. Oh, it, well, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize that opinions had right or wrong answers. Right now, My your opinion fault. is wrong. Your opinion is wrong right now. No, Fantasmic is a really good show. Wow, this is a really long tangent. Fantasmic is a very, very good show, and I totally love it, totally respect it. Quick so, side but, note. This is the first time we've ever had a real disagreement on this show. Do you realize that? Actually, yeah, no, you're absolutely in. right. Holy so, cow. Keep it going. I'm serious. I'm serious. Yeah. Keep it going. This is this is juice. But what I think is really cool about World World of Color is that it doesn't need all it doesn't need the live action parts of it and anything like that. Yes, it does. No, no, it doesn't no, because it, doesn't. it is a spectacular. The, the projection is stupid. The time uh, stupid, 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 awesome. good, stupid, good. I yeah. mean, like S T O O P I D. Yeah, I got you. stupid. This is Sarah speak now. But and then the timing between when they're picking and choosing their moments of, of elevated emotions is artistically crafted. 
<laughs> and it, it really, it takes you through it. There's like the moments when you're like, oh, you're feeling like when Brave, because Brave was part of it. Um, so then I was like, all yeah, when I was there, obviously Brave was not even right. associated with it. Yeah. Right. Because that was, I saw it back, like I said, when Tron was still out. Mm-hmm. But what, this, what, what really, sorry, go, 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 go. Thank go. you. I was just saying you interrupted me. Damn it. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> You sat there and was like convulsing at your seat, like. But I wasn't. I but I wasn't interrupting. Your convulsion was interrupting. Your face is interrupting. Continue your thoughts so I can continue mine, please. No, I'm gonna let you finish. But what about Tron? Somehow was the fact that after the show they showed a fucking two minute preview of Tron to promote the movie, which I thought was fucking stupid. Like, you're there to watch this show, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, by the way, while we have you guys, come see Tron! Okay. And I was like, fuck you. So like, shame no. on them, but they don't do that but no. anymore. Well, okay. Well, what I'm saying, they though, had is that the a show. Lot riding was, on that movie, and, and they it, had to promote and the shit. They had to promote the shit out of it, yeah. and I get that. I just didn't appreciate doing it at the end of, a, at, at the, end of the show. You know, like, if you want to incorporate it, find the fucking spot to put it in. If they can put Brave in at any point and just fit it into the, to the whole thing, then just do that. Don't make, like, this separate. Water screens, you know, preview for this movie, you know, and then what? But the thing is, though, is that I have a lot of reservations about not just the wonderful world of color, but just California adventure in general. With the fact that there's a lot of open area, and two, I don't like the fact that there's alcohol there. I love the fact that there's alcohol there. I, I thought hate that the was fact. Awesome. I hate Holy this, crap! I, I had no idea. Yeah, I just went booze. there. Like I hate this a year fucking. Ago. I think it's fucking stupid because it's like you go to Disneyland. There is some. There is something about going to Disneyland. And having it be dry and having it be the Except kind of... Except a couple of restaurants and bars. The only place at Disneyland, the actual park that yeah. you can actually drink is Club 33. There and was no, no wrong, other spot. Wrong. Where? Where? I, I thought the, the Mexican restaurant. No. Nope. No. Nope. Nope. It's the same as every other restaurant that's in the park. Okay. All right. No, trust me. I have I have a friend that Sarah's works like, there. I've looked. I have Trust a friend me. that works there. Where and there is alcohol, I will find it. <laughs> I just I think the park there there are bits about the park that I enjoy. I'm gonna wrap up and then I'm gonna let you you know sit there and tell me that I'm wrong about my opinion. Um, <clears throat> there are parts. I'm really good at it. Oh, <laughs> so there are parts. <laughs> that, <laughs> there are parts that I enjoy about the park. Like I love Tower of Terror. I find that to be a very fun ride. I think that the the detail that's added onto that ride is great. I love the screaming roller coaster because it is very you know it's fun, it's fast paced, and I like the idea of what they tried to do with the boardwalk. But what sells Disneyland is when you walk down Main Street, you have five areas that you can go to that are all connected in some way, but they are distinct areas. When you walk into California Adventure, it's like the platypus of Disneyland. Like, it's just all the bits and pieces that are left over, and they kind of just shove That's it That's how off. it used to be. I, I think Even you, with Buena Vista Street. Buena Vista Street is just the opening. It's not a through line through the rest of the entire park. I am allowed to have my opinion, madam. <laughs> I see you put your hands up. You know, I just gotta to say, this done. is the most passionate I've seen you about one topic in all the recordings I've <laughs> How been with. The to most... nerds on theme parks. Well, yeah. It's nerds on Disney. This is, I mean, Disney, Pixar, there's a through line somewhere. But I'm just also, saying. Also, there's a through line there, but apparently not at California Because you walk out of, once you walk out of Buena Vista Park, then you're like on this fucking bridge, and it's like, oh, here's, you know, here's the Bugs Life land that we haven't touched in a while. And then here's Cars Land. Cars Land is great, but I feel like 
what they should do is they should mimic what they did in Disneyland, right? Disneyland has five different areas, right? Frontierland, Adventureland, Tomorrowland, Fantasyland, etc. Mimic that in California Adventure. Have a Pixar land because Pixar, as you said, churns out movies three to four, you know, every three to four years, right? No, so they, they have, now they churn out a movie right, every year. Yeah. But so they have so much source material that they can just interchange out the rides as much as they need to. You know, the one Finding Nemo ride that they fucking have is at Disneyland. It's boring as shit. Really? The submarine ride, it's a 95-minute wait for a little trip around. It's not that fun. I like it. It's cute. Eh. So, Sarah. Yeah. Sarah, go. Apparently, my opinion's wrong. <sighs> I just have a question for you. Why would you want to have the same park in two places? Yep. I don't want to have... The thing is, though, right, is that California Adventure... <laughs> Make this short, and then Sarah has to go. <laughs> what I'm saying, though, is that there needs to be some, some connection to everything. Right? It doesn't have to be the same park. To say that there has to be a connection between how you enter the park and all the different lands that you have or what you're what you're trying to do, I'm not saying that it's going to mimic Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And first of all, even if there was two Disneylands, you think people are really going to give a shit? They're going to be ecstatic to have two different areas where it's, it's bleed over. You just said so yourself that California Adventure is a ten, is potentially the bleed over from Disneyland, correct? Can we all agree upon that? Yeah, In some way, shape, or form? To a degree. Yes. Okay, to a degree, right? So if we go with that concept, right? California Adventure is the bleed over from Disneyland. Disneyland. Mm-hmm. I know this is amazing. I've never been this passionate. About it. I, exactly, it's, this it's, blows my mind. This is the best episode ever. <laughs> no, this is going to be the longest episode ever. Well, so continue. It's passionate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just that I personally feel that when I walk into California Adventure, it's disjointed, and I don't like that feeling of disjointedness. I want to know that when I walk in, that it's easy that that there is some continuity or that there's some through line through it all. Okay. And when I get into Disney, when I get into California Adventure, like I don't go like, oh, let's go to this area. I just go, where's Tower of Terror? Where's the roller coaster? Where's this place? Right. It's not duly like, noted. It's okay. not like, okay. oh, hey, let's go over to Hollywood Land, and then that's because like Hollywood because that's Land. Disney World where it's a whole theme park. Right. All right. I totally see your point. Thank Sarah, you, Sarah. Rebuttal. Go. <laughs> I, I, I assure you I will not interrupt. You bite your tongue when you want to interrupt. <laughs> On mute. Much like the state of California. <laughs> <laughs> that's where if we're that's starting your opening, <laughs> I will interrupt the shit out of this. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, it has so much to offer. No. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Much like the historians of our past wonder years. Where are my note cards? Tap, tap, shuffle, shuffle. (laughs) No. Okay. I will say that, no, it does not necessarily have lands that are as clear cut. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that that's necessary. They still have, like, they do have their little boardwalk area. They have Cars Land. They've got, like, the kids area with all the bug shit. Bugs life stuff, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, bugs life stuff. They've got, you know, where Soarin' Over California is and that kind of little They have thing. the boardwalk area, yeah. So they the, do have the boardwalk. I board- already set the boardwalk area. I'm just confirming that. Thank you. I love Buena Vista Street and that whole old Hollywood-style thing. I love the fact that they actually have people who are playing characters throughout the oh, whole... Oh, they do? Yes, they do. They have people that actually, like... Act shit out. Yes. I will agree with you. Okay. All of that. On awesome. that part. <laughs> Interrupt much, David? <laughs> oh my god. Raising your hand doesn't still give you the permission to interrupt. <laughs> she pointed. Continue. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
And in, in that regard, Buena Vista Street is actually very similar to what Disneyland was originally. They would actually have people act shit out in the Bold Park. Disneyland has become much more constrained by what they're allowed to do in the park because you change too much of the old and you're going to cause a lot of trouble. You create too much new stuff, you're going to cause a lot of trouble. Exactly. So that's why California Adventure is really important to have there. And I can see why they did it. I do think that California Adventure would serve really well to be a Pixar-based theme park. I will say that. Yeah, I totally agree. So, segue back into the topic. Um, I don't think Sarah was done. I don't want to keep this going any longer than it needs to because we really need to fucking do the episode. (laughs) So... Should we end it on this note? Because we can we make sh- it a part two. No, I think we should talk about what Pixar movies we do love. I think we should actually okay. talk about the good part. I mean, the history, obviously, is really good stuff to yeah. talk about. But I think let's just get into the fucking nitty gritty. Which is your Pixar, favorite Pixar movie? Before I answer that, mm-hmm. personally, I, if it's okay with the group and if it's okay with the listeners, I want to do history part two of the movies because we set up Pixar's history. And at a future podcast, we set up the history of their movies. At a future podcast. Now, it doesn't have to be, you know, right now. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah? Awesome. All right. So, in terms of Pixar movies, are you ready for this? Uh-huh. I'll go first. Okay. My favorite movie of all time and my favorite Pixar movie is Wally, hands down. Mm. Wally will always be my favorite movie of all time. Wally is my favorite Pixar movie. It's just, there's there's so much sci-fi love in that movie mm-hmm. uh, with little cameos, uh, design nods, things like that. And at the same time, it has the most heartfelt story uh, that I've ever felt as a cinema goer myself. I remember seeing that with you, and we both walked out very like, oh my god. I'm like, that wasn't for kids. Like, it was for kids, but it wasn't for kids. I want to go to the gym. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you took from that? Yeah. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um, Favorite Pixar movie? I gotta say... Toy Story, and I'm going to be specific and say the first one. Okay. Because I really connected with the idea of your toys being alive. Because, I mean, granted, I am not an only child, but I grew up in an only child household. And so the toys and the imagination aspect of it um, was really hit home. Yeah. Just because, I mean, it's just, I, I remember as a kid always thinking, like, I wonder, like, what happens when I leave my room. Yeah. It, it was an incredible story idea that where concept totally paid out in story oh yeah yeah and then when you look at it, at it as an adult you look at it and that's 1995 and just how wonderful the movie just looks for being like mid-90s yeah i mean it's just amazing yeah absolutely sarah as anybody who listens to the podcast knows sarah is not good at picking particular favorites and sarah has to pick many favorites all right so do you want to do top three or top five i'm going to say all three toy stories wrapped into one is my favorite that is a very good choice. Good choice. But even though Toy Stories 1, 2, and 3 are my favorite movies, mm-hmm. my favorite moment in all of Pixar mm-hmm. is the flashback scene in Up. Oh. 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 You're talking about the opening montage scene. Yeah. Right? yeah. Oh, my oh. God. There's Cried a... my goddamn face off. Oh. There's a really cool meme. That has that compares that opening uh, scene yeah. with the, the the Twilight people. Yeah, and they were like told an, a, an amazing love story in less than thirty seconds, and then like they make some sort of crack of like and told it over four movies. Yeah, a, a terrible love story in, a in five love movies. In like five yeah. movies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That got 
that's why Pixar is so amazing. I yeah. know. What I, I think what was really remarkable about Pixar is that they're not afraid to use adult themes no. in kids' movies. Not at all. And they're, it's a matter of trusting the audience. And I, I think there's a lot of movies that don't do that anymore, that, that pander too much, that dumb it down. And I feel like Pixar is really good just, and not even just in their, I mean, yes, in their visuals, but like from a story standpoint, yeah. they're just not afraid. And no. I think that that fearlessness is something that really carries through and is really important in art. What, mm-hmm. One of my favorite lines uh, that was quoted, um, I think it was from John Lasseter in the Pixar story documentary, is that we make movies for everyone to enjoy. They may be animated, but they are made for everyone. Yeah. That is the main difference about why Pixar is so successful is that first of all, when they're writing the script for a movie, it goes through almost a dozen revisions at least. Like they were trimming the story of Toy Story 3 literally 2 weeks before it comes out. So, they the story is always a priority. We talked about this in our last podcast. Secondly, how awesome is it that you're an adult and you can still find the wonder, the magic, and love of an animated movie. Come on. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Like, Disney has had that market locked in the movie yeah. industry completely. And then yeah. here comes Pixar. Which just makes sense why Disney would buy out Pixar. Oh, of course. Of course. Absolutely. Well, and it's also been in progression, right? The first Toy Story, yes, it was geared towards kids and there were adult moments. And the jokes that were said. And some such, of the jokes. Yes, absolutely. Just the jokes. But as they got more comfortable in their skin and they got more comfortable with the stories that they were producing. And Disney let them do what they wanted to do. Right. Then you got to see things like, you know, uh, Finding Nemo when the mother dies. And it just, I mean, that opening sequence. Yes. Yeah. You know, as you mentioned, Up. And you see the, you know, the miscarriage. And, um, you know, and with Toy Story 3, with them dealing with death. I mean, yeah. they are, it's almost like when Sesame Street decided to talk about death. On the show, you know they, they they realize that kids are not stupid and that they are going to learn about these things another way. Why not teach them? And finding an appropriate way to exactly not just teach but experience that feeling, exactly. understand what that feeling means. Yeah, which is great because then it becomes a conversation piece because then the kids will ask the parents about it and then the parents and the kids can have that honest conversation depending upon obviously if the parents want to, right. but. You hope that they're going to have that conversation. Absolutely. And it's just amazing that they are able to do that. Um, and as Sarah said, just through the art is able to do that. It's just so wonderful. Absolutely. I really do feel that Pixar is probably going to be the avenue for which um, same-sex marriage is going to be approached in, in these types of movies. I really do feel that. Oh, I don't doubt that. And here's why. Pixar was the first company to start the whole YouTube campaign on It's Okay. Uh, the whole it's okay you can come out yeah exactly it gets better better. thank you Um, they were the first to start that and then Apple I think was like second or third or whatever but yeah the working environment at Pixar is it's a dream if you're good at animation you're good at concept art you're good at marketing you're good at story writing you're good at being an assistant whatever position they have at that place you will literally be working a dream. Now, if you don't live in the area, I mean, it's a commute, but the thing is, from what I've seen, read, and heard, it is is heaven on earth for those type of movie fans and people that love Pixar. 
Didn't they just revamp their their whole campus too to look like Monsters University? They did. Uh, that was a blurb that I submitted absolutely um, for uh, for research and for fun. They completely did their entire inside and out on their campus to make it look very similar to Monsters University. Even their main opening, mm-hmm. they turned into the Monsters University gate. That's awesome. Yeah, that's I. That's I really love Monsters Inc. I do too. I'm very excited to see. <laughs> when Sully met Mike. <laughs> mm-hmm, me too. As much as I'm uh, excited for a prequel, I really want a sequel. I want to see that ending. I want to see Boo monsters. grown up. Yeah. I want to see what... I, I just, that was such the biggest tease. I was like, <gasps> in your credits. No! <laughs> I want to see you all grown up. Oh. Boo. Oh, boo. And with that... <laughs> So, I think we, we have and segue. I think we've covered um, a really interesting start to Pixar history and our feelings about Disneyland and California Adventure. Our, yes, our feelings. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Our yes. opinions. Yes. Um, However wrong they might be, David. <laughs> you couldn't. You couldn't hold it, could of you? Of course not. <laughs> so if there's anyone who agrees with me, please mm, you can either tweet me uh, <laughs> at David C. McGuire. You'd be wrong too. <laughs> <laughs> and we still have to do listener feedback. Oh, sorry, I'm jumping the gun here. Um, so yes, uh, let's let's talk about the people who have uh, who've reached out to us. Corrections and feedback. Yeah. Oh yeah. So the first one comes from a fan mail that was submitted, I believe, through the website. And it says, hey, guys, when I originally saw Nerds on History on my podcast app on my phone, Downcast, I was a little suspicious. I thought it was going to be a bunch of guys with lisps and pocket protectors. Never have been more wrong. (laughs) Well, you're slightly correct on that one, sir. I do believe that Eric has a pocket protector. (laughs) Sound guy? Yeah. Yeah, Sound guy? He's not. Yeah. Uh, never have I been more wrong. I love your work, and I burned through one podcast after the other. I'm working on Nerds on Film right now. and Thank you. Loving it. Represent. Represent. And what I love about it, besides the jokes, which make me double over and laugh like a maniac in the hallways of my high school. You are going to love today's episode. <laughs> you guys even uh, got me in trouble during a test. You're all welcome for that. One explicit podcast you're supposed to be 18 so la 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 second of all <laughs> dude take your damn test study motherfucker i know we're cool and shit but you got to put studies in priorities and, yeah, yeah yeah or something or something like that uh, you know if you but tell don't us don't stop listening could, i know right uh, we could give you the answers over the podcast the answer is somewhere. c all of the above for everything <laughs> make your scantron look like a smiley face <laughs> <laughs> Or, or if uh, I saw this on a TV show, this test proves nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and I had to explain to my gym class why I was laughing hysterically at a joke about British astronauts. I also got my friend to laugh at your Mickey Mouse joke with Hitler. But enough of my rambling. Back to why I am emailing you. What I love about your podcast, both Nerds on History and Nerds on Film, is the interactions between you and everyone, David, Sarah, and everyone. Kevin, you are included in everyone. I know. Everyone, everyone. (laughs) There is that true feeling of friendship, and that keeps me coming back besides the interesting topics you guys come up with. And I have a possible nerds on film topic. Ooh. Ooh. Why are the Godfather movies called the best movies of all time? And why is Marlon Brando known as the best actor of all time? Thanks for all your awesome work, all of you. Nerdonomy fam forever. Christian. 
Well, Christian. That is a meaty topic. That is if, a meaty topic. If, uh, if I may, I want to just quickly say we're not friends. We all hate each other. But uh, thank you for <laughs> yeah. Thank you for uh, picking up on our acting skills. We yes. appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I'd um, like to thank the Academy. <laughs> <laughs> the Godfather is a great topic. I'm surprised we haven't thought of that before. You I know, think we're yeah. waiting for the most opportune time when all of us are available. I will yeah. say this is a great excuse to watch all three of them again because I'm typically uh, at not least a, the, at least the first uh, two. I'm of the same mindset. I'm wanting yes. to give it the third one a, another shot. I'll admit I've only seen the first one. Oh, really? So it's a good oh, opportunity one. for me to watch all three. Absolutely. Second one is the shit. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, this... I know we definitely want to wait for Brian yes. before we get into that one. Absolutely. But um, thank you very much for the suggestion, and we will look into it in the future. And, dude, don't listen to us while you're doing a test. I mean, we, yeah. we appreciate it, but we don't want you to get in trouble. Yeah, please don't get in trouble. Yeah. And then the other piece of feedback that we have comes all the way from Denmark. <gasps> Hello? Hail thee, you mightiest of nerds. Um, he does say, first of all, my condolences to the Moriarty's. For those of you who are listening to Nerds on Film and don't listen to Nerds on History, um, Brian and Sean did lose their grandmother recently, and they do have all of our condolences and support. Um, so thank you uh, for mentioning that. Yeah. I've been on your trail right from the beginning of your podcasting capers, and I just wanted to to know that the Coalition of the Norse have joined under your banners. <gasps> what? I, yeah. No way. Yes, the Norse are on our side. Yeah. And Eric thank and I were talking about God. this. God. We Eric and I should t- thank Thor. Thank yeah. Thor. Yes. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. Norse God. Yeah. Thank <laughs> yeah, Thor. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I think you should consider doing a show on David Lynch and his works. I really love mm-hmm. his tangled up, quirky, character-driven worlds and how he utilizes all of it to create that special kind of creeping, estranging paranoia. Ooh. You guys are all awesome, and I hope you keep at it. I have to go skin sheep in the rain while fighting off our neighboring tribes. Best regards, Jonas <laughs> from Copenhagen, Denmark. Oh my god, Best that's awesome. bit of listener feedback to date. That, yeah, that is that, pretty rad. Oh my god. No offense to Christian or any of our, our previous um, fans that have written in, but that was pretty awesome and the bar has been set high. Oh my god, that is so awesome. Until you tell us that you're going to skin sheep. Right. In the uh, rain. In the fighting rain. Off while your while fighting tribes. off your neighbors. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Yes, that was so, so awesome. Thank you, Jonas. I also think that doing a David Lynch episode would be really good. Again, yeah. one that I'm going to have to do some extra yeah, research I'll have on. To do extra research on that one because i'm not i'm not super well versed in david lynch i've obviously seen some david lynch films i've seen a couple so i'll need to brush up on as many as i can get my hands on myself but again what a great meaty topic i'm really liking these i love it the people god guys really do just throw out the the awesome topics absolutely keep them coming keep them with the davids after we do david lynch can we do david fincher (gasps) yes right yes absolutely i think so and Alien 3 would be a much-discussed movie because technically he did not fully direct it. The studio actually cut the majority of that movie. Dum-dum-dum! Oh. Huh. And there's your uh, have three dum-dum-dums. I know, right? In this whole episode. <laughs> well, there were some shit went down today. <laughs> shit went down. Oh, shit just on. got real. All right. Oh, he took my moment. Oh, I was going to remove the glasses. This shit just got real. Oh, yeah. Well, the visual joke of the glasses removed. That's why I had to say I removed my glasses. Oh, okay. I know know, know about your quirks with our visual jokes. I know about it. (laughs) Is there any more listener feedback? No, that's it. Okay. Well, thank you guys. Yeah, thank you guys so much for writing in. While we are discussing the topic of writing in, because go to the website, nerdonomy.com. There is a listener feedback button in which we will receive your requests and or accolades. 
Or if you think that David's right and thinks that California Adventure is not the greatest, if you want to agree with me, that's fine. If you think that California Adventure is doing a really good job for being a new theme park and the world of color is fucking amazeballs. Or if you, you just like David. California Adventure in general. <laughs> or if you would like, we also have a new button on the website, the donation button. We are in the new Nerd Cave. It is an amazing, amazing spot for us to be recording. Um, as we have said, it is a bit warm. We are getting into the summer months. And any money that you are able to give to us and support us is going to go towards enhancing our nerd cave. For just a dollar a day, you too can sponsor a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't have that awful Sarah McLaughlin uh, song playing in the background. But if you seriously, though, uh, if you feel we've had some uh, individuals who have donated, most notably um, Brian and uh, Sean's aunt Patty, yes. she donated some money. Thank, Thank you. Um, we had a couple of other people. We mentioned them in Nerds on History mm-hmm. uh, that I did with Eric. So um, if you wish to donate your money, please do so. Go go to nerdonomy.com, Click on donations. You know, whatever you can spare is great. Um, it's all going to go towards enhancing the cave and making the show better. Right. And if you can't donate and you do want to just give us your feedback, you can do so through our feedback button. It's nice and handy. You can email us individually. All that information is on the nerd page. Mm-hmm. Or you can go to Facebook to Nerds on Film. Like us. Tell us about or tell your friends about us because we're super rad. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, our personal Twitter accounts, I am at David C. McGuire. And I am at Sarah Ash 16. And you can reach me by email, Kevin at nerdonomy.com. You know, give us your feedback. Tell us what you like, what you didn't like. And uh, we will certainly see you guys next week. Same nerd time, same nerd channel. Damn right. Awesome. Peace. Bye. And roll credits. For movie quotes, you should not say during sex. A boy's best friend is his mother.